0: Launch and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Ricky, let's move to the creative brief. And my first question for you is What's the first brand you remember making an impact on you as a young kid?
1: I'll give two versions of the answer. I mean, the first one for me, Nike's was a part of the life since some of my earliest pictures. On the other side, I've always been a fan of just large universes. Um, Like Saturday Night Live, some of my earliest memories are like me watching Saturday Night Live when I was 10 or 11, writing down what each skit was. And you think about Saturday Night Live as like this amazing marketing platform. Who's the guest? What's the opening skit? Who's the musical act? Weekend update will happen. The weird skit at 1256 will happen. Everyone waves goodbye. And that idea that that structure was in itself a brand um, was something that I feel like I learned at a disproportionately early age. But again, I think uh, to me, that balance of the big impact of Nike and the universes that Mm -hmm. movies and television brought uh, is something that has always just kind of blended together uh, into into my life.
0: Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. My guest today on the CMO podcast is Ricky Engelberg, the chief marketing officer of Vista, previously known as Vistaprint. This is a $1.4 billion brand that was originally called Bone Impression. It was founded in the 1990s by a man named Robert Keene, starting the business out of his apartment in Paris. Vista is now a global company, part of the Simpress Group, and a leader in online products and services to help their clients, mostly small businesses grow and prosper. Vista's offerings range from marketing materials to signage and digital marketing to graphic design services. Ricky seems a perfect fit for this Vista CMO role. He started his own marketing services company coming out of the University of Georgia. He then joined Nike and Converse where he stayed for about 20 years in a variety of digital marketing and innovation roles. Vista's slogan is where small businesses get big ideas. This is my big idea and very energetic discussion with Ricky Engelberg. Ricky, welcome to the CMO Podcast. I think very few people listening to our podcast understand the full story of Vistaprint. It's actually a great story of entrepreneurship and evolution of a company. So I'd like you to start with how you describe your company to your friends, your kids, your neighbors.
1: You yeah. know. Our goal with Vista is to become the marketing and design partner for every small business in the world. Um, When you look at Vista Print, Vista Print was created around 25 years ago, and it really helped democratize access to things that it's difficult to believe were so inaccessible 20 plus years ago. And the fact that Vista Print, uh, sometimes I take a step back and it's just amazing how that company how the company has survived and thrived through so many eras of dot com booms, dot com bust, dot com boom. And what's so interesting is the amount of people that I talk to when I go, Where do you work? It's like, Oh, I work at Vistaprint. They're like, I love you all. We swear by you. Or my first, our agency's first business cards were at Vistaprint. And then they take out the box, you're like, Wow, that really was your first business cards. Um, And so you look at that and the opportunity for us to evolve from being about just printing to being that design and marketing partner for small businesses has been the journey we're on. And ultimately, that's where we've evolved into becoming Vista and this idea that we will be the design and marketing partner for you from the moment you have the idea, day minus 100 to day 5,000 of being a small business. If we're able to do that, then... We help every small business and make the world a much more interesting place. And so ultimately, when my kids ask me, what do we do? I um, say, help small businesses
0: thrive every day. Well, we're going to talk about that purpose a little bit later, but I want you to talk about your origin story a bit, because it's a good one. Your founder, Robert Keene, started the company in an apartment in Paris. I think he might have even been a student at the time, in the 90s, and he's now the CEO of your corporate parent, SimPress. So, so what's he like? And, and I, and how's his presence still felt? Yeah. You know, so Robert actually
1: at this point is both CEO of Simpress and CEO of Vista. And I would say if you met Robert today, you would think he started a company two weeks ago. Mm. And he is as driven as possible, an incredibly inquisitive learner, um, someone that just rolls up his sleeves. Um, sometimes for people, it almost creates a, uh, moment of this jarring feeling of is the CEO really taking the notes in the meeting right now? <laughs> is the CEO coming up with a spreadsheet to map out what our approach is going to be? But it's his way of just diving in and learning new topics. And I think that ability for him to think in systems and think about the whole eco, the whole, uh, the whole ecosystem that we exist in is something that's incredibly impressive. And again, it's one of the reasons I ever talked to Vista in the first place was like. To be able to talk to work with someone that's this founder CEO of it started from an apartment to 25 years into this journey, and again, just just as hungry as if it was started two weeks ago.
0: In that history of 25 years, what do you think was the most important milestone, or fork in the road, or tough hurdle?
1: Um, you know, I think ultimately. Vista's success was in this idea of custom printing paper products, business cards, postcard signs. And it's this interesting balancing act of accidentally becoming so famous for one thing mm. that people don't even realize the other things that, they could, that you could use with the company. And it's this interesting balance where gold was struck. And the ability to continue to grow in a in a positive uh, positive way, adding in things like direct response television, embracing what came to be with things like podcasts and discount code or promo codes, continue to grow in profitable ways. But ultimately, we found that you'd go and talk to small business owners. I would remember the first time as... Uh, I went to CES a couple months after starting uh, pre-pandemic and was like, all right, I'm going to take 45 minutes and walk the show floor and just see what people are printing and had my badge with Vistaprint on it. And this customer uh, from Jacksonville, Florida, um, he has his booth there and he's like, oh, you're at Vistaprint. I, we swear by you all. I was like, oh, awesome. What all did you make with us? Like, oh, the business cards. Like, what about those banners? I like, I don't think so. What about the shirt you're wearing? He's like, I'm not sure of the check. And it wasn't that I was ups- upset or bummed that they didn't print everything with us. I mean, of course, I wish they did. Mm-hmm. It was that that small business owner had to waste their time going to three or four different people to get those things done and versus us being able to help give that holistic solution. And I think that notion of you could always sell more items, but how do you go from items to solutions? From being a vendor to relationship, from being this like transactions to being a partner. And I think those are a lot of the things that over time, the needs of small businesses are so much more complex today than they were 25 years ago. I mean, you think about the pandemic, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, what are we going to do for contact free payment, social distancing? What's our, how do we get those plastic screens? What are we going to do for masks? And how do we switch our yoga studio to a streaming yoga studio? And all of those things, I think, are things where Vista continue, ha- has to continually evolve. And I think sometimes we're famous for one thing. It's tough to realize just how big the opportunity is to truly serve to serve your customer. And I think that's where what I've been here two years now, and that's what we do think about every day, is how do we truly be that partner? The small businesses versus just selling them items
0: it's a great story ricky you worked also 20 years at nike founded by another great entrepreneur phil knight of course how did you feel phil's presence when you were there
1: you know it's funny actually um i was an intern at nike in the summer of 99 in the summer of 2000 and like day four myself and the other intern uh in basketball sports marketing, our manager, Lynn Merritt took us to lunch and I'll never forget Phil Knight busting out of the John McEnroe building. Like, like, like he was running a hundred hour dash celebrating because Maurice Green had just set the hundred meter dash record at the world championships. And this was not like, A little company at this point like this is one of the most amazing campuses possible and the joy he had and just the joy of celebrating that moment it permeated through i mean the line always listened to uh, always remember the voice of the athlete was something phil said that would be a thing that came up in every couple of meetings and i think but the thing with nike that was so interesting as well was just As much as it was about Phil and uh, Bill Bowerman, there were so many people that had been there since day one or been there for eras, for these things, for the launch of football, for the launch of SB, for who worked on the first Air Max, that ultimately that was this connective tissue that these major accomplishments and milestones just permeated through the campus. I mean, I'm in a fantasy football league with like employee number 12 at the company, at at Nike, and he still works there. And there's something about that that's, uh, there's something about that's awesome, but it's also amazing to see is like, it's a company that very much you would think, in my 20 years there, I never felt like we ever got complacent. I felt like every day we, had the chance to reinvent how we served athletes, and that to me is something that I think every company has the chance to has the chance to truly understand. Like the needs are going to always evolve. What your solution is today is just the best solution today. It doesn't mean it's what's right a year from now or two years from now. And you just felt that in every single ounce of
0: Nike. I think it's one of the most remarkable stories. I mean, ha- that company has been hot and trendy, and magnetic for now, what, 40 years?
1: Everyone can always look back and reminisce of, oh, 15 years ago it was different, or 10 years ago it was different, and, and no matter what company you're at. And I think as long as you're relentlessly focused on doing amazing things that truly made, make a dent in the world, and you know obsess your customer, obsess the consumer over and over and over, the great things are going to happen. And that is the thing that, when I went from Nike to Converse, um, it was interesting because it was the first time in a very long time I was working on things where you weren't just putting a swoosh on it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're like, do the same approaches work when you're not just putting a swoosh on it? Because the swoosh is like the ultimate bat signal. Yeah. Like, if you do that, I mean, I, there was. N- news the other day of nike getting into the metaverse like well that's five years in the works there like but that news of like nike getting into the metaverse will make it everyone else's life so much easier that's trying to get someone at coca-cola to make the leap or someone at i don't know ea to make the leap arbitrary companies being yep, named. Yep. um and i think that's something where but I don't think that's limited to Nike. I think it's up to people to go and truly say our job is to consistently figure out how to reinvent ourselves to best serve our customers in impactful ways that help shape culture. And I think that's something to take. I took every day at Converse, I take every day at Vista.
0: That's very heady stuff, very lofty stuff, and very wonderful stuff. One very simple question What did you like most about working on the campus at Nike?
1: The optimism Mm -hmm. is something that, you know, it's funny. I'll take a step back and think on this for a second. Like, there was a lot of surreal moments where you'd be in a meeting in the Tiger Woods Center uh, and like what was called the boardroom in Tiger Woods Center, but overlooked the Ronaldo field. And you'd look out and just be like, "There's the U.S. Women's National Team training. And or like Mo Farah running by you on your way. You're super late to a meeting across campus. And world-class athlete runs by you. And I think the, things like that, the serendipity of the campus was pretty amazing. Um, and just in general, like, as silly as it sounds, the closets, there's amazingly awesome things in closets. <laughs> like, right. going through, like, being an intern, when I was an intern there, going through closets as a sports nerd, as a marketing nerd, you'd be like, oh my god, this is the in 96 campaign. This is Lil Penny. Like, and just everywhere you'd go something where you're like oh wow that was a pretty groundbreaking campaign or that athlete changed the world there was some remnant of it around every corner which was it was consistently inspiring to know like if what you're working on today gives you the chance to actually go and change the world
0: we've all been there you spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So, what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. Now, you've been in this job for about two years at Vista as CMO, your first CMO job, but you left this remarkable company and you were doing fabulous work. What compelled you to shift after 20 years and join Vista?
1: You know, 20 years is a long time. and when I got approached on their opportunity at Vista, I mean, you get approached on different things all the time. And But to be able to go and work with someone that's a – had cracked the, the, the model on mass customization, which having come from a place with Nike ID, mass customization was mm-hmm. a thing that cared greatly about, that the goal was small businesses that was clearly willing to invest in things and had come back in to – I come back in. So he was the CEO, Robert was the CEO of the holding company, with someone else's CEO of VistaPrint for a long for a few years. And Robert had come back in to help say, no, there's more for us to have to help small businesses. And it just seemed like an incredibly interesting place to cross my interests. Um, and take a lot of the learnings as well from Nike. In addition with Vista, it was an opportunity to be able to do both marketing, product, and UX. Mm-hmm. Um, I had kind of spent most of my career at Nike bouncing back and forth between Product side, a uh, digital product side, I should say, wearables, things of that nature, and marketing, and to be able to go into a CMO role where I got to be able to play across all of it, just made for a unique opportunity that uh, seemed like as good of a opportunity as I would get to be able to go and help shape the future of a company. And I think there's lots of opportunities for people and like that people have left Nike to go to, and each one's interesting and awesome in its own way. For me, the opportunity with Vista is. This notion of the feeling of a startup, with the security of an incredibly successful twenty-five-year-old company with deeply, uh, with deep roots in helping small businesses.
0: What's the biggest leadership lesson you've taken from Nike into this job?
1: I think storytelling matters so much, and helping people get on the, get to people to that, that same mental model, the same press play vision, um, ultimately. I like to think in a lot of like, if we could get everyone understanding where the route is, sorry, where the destination is, then it's going to be much easier to understand, hey, the route will adjust along the way. Like we'll hit traffic, you'll hit a global pandemic, the route will adjust, but it doesn't change the destination. And I think the importance of bringing people along on that journey, helping them be able to see the picture of what it could look like. I've, since within my first few months at the company, um, I mean, my first presentation was, I think October, 2016. It was like an all employee presentation. It's like, we can't let the print in our name define how we serve small businesses and had to be able to start showing what that would look like, what we could be so much more of in just print. Not that print is bad, print is awesome, but we could truly be that design and marketing partner. And then you start to, 50-state tour, shaking hands and kissing babies, trying to make sure everyone understands what that means and how do you coalition build. And that to me was what I did every day at Nike for the entire time. How do you get people to understand what a website is? Why digital marketing was going to matter? How social media was going to change an athlete's life? And to me, not feeling like, hey, I'm going to name drop this person and this is why it should happen. But no, you got to go out there and sell the dream every single day. And Coalition Build, to me, was the, one of the biggest things I, I took from Nike to Converse and Converse uh, into Vista and Nike into Vista. Um, and I think that's something that two years in, I'm excited to start selling the, the dream of what the next two years have in
0: store. Ricky, where do you spend your time as CMO of Vista? I mean, you have a lot of things you could spend your time on, but where, where is your time most precious? Uh, spending time with
1: my leadership team, trying to understand, I like to say, like, how are we going to win? Like, what it would actually have to happen for when we say we want to be the design and marketing partner for every small business? What does it actually have to take for us to win? And if we could begin to piece together is what that win might be for a new small business, then it's easy for everyone to go, all right, so what does that mean from a PR standpoint? What does that mean from a site merchandising standpoint? What does that mean for creative elevation? If I end up spending too much time on email number thirty six, uh, emails for week 36, that's something's gone wrong. Not because I don't care about the emails for week 36, but I've been able to hire unbelievable people that will be able to do amazing jobs at emails emails for week 36. As long as we're all on the same page as how we think we're going to win with this small business, how we think what those steps are to get to that destination. The other area where I would say I drop everything for time wise is hiring. Like to me, there is no job that if someone's a, a great candidate and they need me to help close, I'm in to help close. If we're going to hire someone that's going to go run a global function for us or be a country marketing director, I want to make sure I devote the time to it because ultimately we're only, it's cliche to say, but we're only as good as the people and the jobs and how much those people can buy into the operating system we're heading to. And I think that's something where it's, uh, maybe it's my passion for sports and the GM like aspect of like team building, but the ability to go you know what? That person coming to this job unlocks this for us. And I can't wait to see what that's going to look like for us and accelerating us on that journey. And so again, that to me is where um, where the time allocations, executive team, leadership team, how we win and hiring are the four things that always get fed first.
0: Ricky, I want to follow up on two things. That was great. Uh, talent and capabilities. You're good at bringing in talent. You did that at Nike. Uh, your company right now is doing very well. How do you decide on who comes in and who doesn't? Who's part of your team and who's not? What, do, what kinds of things do you look at?
1: So I over-index on awesome and rad. I know it sounds simple, but if you ask someone, there's a couple of questions I kind of gravitate towards where I've just found have been just good litmus tests over time what is your bar of awesome? Like, what do you consider to actually be amazing? Um, if the person is, has overwhelming amounts of great answers to that, generally that's a good sign. Um, if they're like, it is tough to know. What do you mean by awesome? Um, it's not bad. Like sometimes it's not, it's not a, it's not an immediate, but, It's not an immediate X, Um, but someone that just truly has their head on a swivel and finds things they can learn from in every single aspect of life, user experiences they might have when signing up for kids vaccine appointments, like things like you to me, like I love just hearing people that are just passionate about things that are awesome and how those could apply to things. I also think people that are system thinkers is absolutely critical um people had to truly understand how what a piece of an org works with another piece of an org and could get wins for everyone um that's always something critical to look for uh, in my opinion for where you, when just trying to pattern people that have been successful um and then just ultimately sometimes you just need great unbelievable functional expertise someone that's just been there and done that has figured out how to do social for a new platform from scratch has had to go through crazy hyper growth, company acquisitions and integrations in like at some point in time, if someone is hitting a 10 at any of those three things, then they're probably going to work out pretty great. And I think that to me is where, um, I think also to a lot of, to a lot of trying to begin to understand is someone that loves zero to one. Though, like, how do you go from a blank whiteboard to 1.0? Or is it someone that loves 1.47? Like, I love that, loves optimizing the process, that loves figuring out, like, you never want to ask someone that loves optimizing the process to go and crack the blank whiteboard. Um, And I think that's if you're able to build a team that has a blend of all those things with a shared common passion of doing amazing things for customers and truly caring about making a dent. A lot of great things happen. And I don't think age is a like, I don't think it's size of company or age of, of an employee or how many years like to me, one of my favorite hires ever had at at Nike was uh, this uh, person, Karen lush um, who she applied as a producer on Nike running, uh, Nike plus running. And her resume came through and hundreds of resumes was going through a huge stack of them. Uh, with HR and this part, and her resume, she worked at uh, the predecessor to the NWSL, the Pro Women's Soccer League. And I was reading this this paragraph description, and it was like, "Figured out live streaming for our games. Figured out community sites, message boards, how to have an e-commerce presence." And I looked and I was like, "There's a chance there's a two-person team that figured out how to have the equivalent of NBA.com." for this startup soccer league, there's a decent chance she's gonna be able to do amazing with all of Nike's resources. And it wasn't like it's was like, all right, we're gonna bring in this person from Microsoft or Apple. Not that we didn't hire lots of people from those places. And at Vista we've hired lots of people from places like Netflix or Target or uh Apple, uh Nike that have come in. But I don't think it's you have to be at a I think you can do amazing things at the smallest company and translates incredibly well when you get more resources. And so yeah. I, I can nerd yeah. out on this forever. It's yeah. I'm going to put you on, on the spot.
0: The What's one thing that hits your bar for awesomeness these days?
1: You know, it's funny, actually, as I take a sip of Liquid Death.
0: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: The way Liquid Death has figured out how to just every month bring interest and excitement, Like the partnership they had with Amazon for with the boys was one of those things like, oh, my God, that's awesome. That feels like a thing that someone had a funny idea via text. It was like, I bet we could do that and made it happen. And you look at it, it's like A plus
0: rad. Amazing. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, Story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Now, let's talk about capabilities. You know, you're, the way you're describing the future of your company, your, your, your TAM, if you will, your total avail, available yep. market, is going from something that is... You know, big, but limited to something that is really big. How do you think about the capabilities that have got you here at Vista and the capabilities that need to get you into the future? I'm not going to say there because there's never there. Yeah. So, what are you building today that hasn't been there in the past?
1: You know, it's interesting. I look back at where we were two years ago when I started, and we had unbelievable print. Uh, around the world Um, and there's ways to optimize and continue to grow that print business but when you actually go and start talking to customers and where the pain points are where their intimidation exists where friction exists it just became obvious to us like we have to make design accessible it's not just enough to make print accessible we've got to make design accessible We started talking to this company, Crello, um, who's part of Deposit Photos. They had an amazing product that allows for great social media to be created for Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, YouTube, so on and so forth. Uh, Millions of users around the world. And we decided that rather than us trying to build a competitive product, we'd be better off buying them. And so we bought Crello and it's now become Vista Create as of uh, about two weeks ago. And that really helped us begin to complete kind of the first phase where now we could offer you bespoke design for print, we could offer you amazing print services, we could offer you templated-based design, and we could offer you day-in, day-out social design. We then took our web business that we had and said, hey, you know what? We'd be better off partnering with Wix. And so we uh, negotiated a partnership with Wix where uh, Vista Times Wix will be available early next year where we'll basically be creating seamless design experiences to help get you into all Wix's products. Now the challenge for us is how do you take all of those capabilities, all of those signature services, and turn them into a digestible Vista experience that helps someone where they need to be helped, um, that has that easy, medium, advanced mode. And those are the things that we'll continue to work on. And there's lots of other capabilities I'm excited for. But those are the capabilities from a product standpoint. From a marketing standpoint, so much of what we have to do is about creating things like repeatable editorial franchises. The capability for us isn't just about the technology. It's about the muscle to say, all right, if someone brings you a plan and it doesn't talk about how you're actually partnering with small business, that's not the plan we want to do. We always have to be our community, our ambassador programs. All of these things are these core capabilities because it creates this virtuous circle. And these are things that, to me, back to the TAM question, there is so many new small businesses every single year of every type of definition of what a new small business is. We need to have a great solution for all of them. And how we do do that at scale from a system standpoint, from an analog standpoint, from a passion standpoint. The way I put it in my first presentation, that presentation in October 2016 is Nike as athletes, Spotify as musicians, we have small businesses. And mm-hmm. In every city in the world, everyone we've hired for a country marketing director job, and my feelings like to them is like your job is to make sure you can rattle off your favorite Vista customers in every city in your in every city because that means we, that will mean we're truly partnering.
0: So, Ricky, how do you inculcate this passion, this purpose? In you have six thousand associates around the world. That's yep. a lot of people. How do you inculcate that? How do you know you're making progress? How do you measure it? So speak to that a bit.
1: Yeah. You know, I think there's the binary measurement of things like brand tracker. Um, that's something I took from Nike that a great brand tracker over time goes a long way. Um, it's kind of like, other's yeah, value right now in year one of having a brand tracker, but the ability for us to look, to look back three or four years from now and understand how to diagnose Hey, an issue we're having in the UK, we solved that in France three years ago by going with this and, or the need and a perception of us began to change this way. And this market, when we did this test with design services, so getting that brand tracker in place and truly expanding out what we are tracking against from a competitive set and both, and from a small business standpoint was critical to me. Vista kind of self-optimized and, tracking against custom print products for one to 10 people, small businesses. And there's just so many more small businesses with so many more needs than that. So that was a big thing, just foundational building block-wise, that was able to work with our amazing CCI team on, uh, customer and competitive intelligence team. But when I think about how do you make everyone embrace this mission, embrace this change, I go back to evangelism and building that coalition. Uh, The most important people for me to collaborate with, Emily, our president of North America, and Florian, our president of International. Um, I spend endless amounts of time with them. I spend endless time with our CFO working to understand how, again, back to how are we going to win? How does this model work together? We had randomly, uh, a a few of us on the executive team found five hours free through a flukish schedule thing uh, a couple of weeks ago, and rather than be a cool and getting caught up in emails, we just went to the whiteboard and started sketching out how we were going to attack different challenges that we had. And that notion of trying to be able to build that those coalitions is so critical at the top, but it's also important at the bottom. It's important for someone that's on day one and their first job out of college. And to me, that notion of making sure that in all hands meetings, we are able to bring that, that we're able to consistently have teams that's jobs are about community. And ambassadors and sharing early and often again, that to me is where it doesn't matter if I've done the presentation 300 times, if I'm no person that gets lucky enough to do the new employee orientation, I got to sell the dream to them and understand and make sure they understand how important their job is. Again, back to email week 36. That's not an email in week 36. That might be the thing that saves someone's business. And if you could get everyone to embrace that the thing they're working on will be incredibly, truly impactful, then great things can happen. I'm a big believer that the worst case for a company sometimes is when someone does a role. It's like, oh, I'm the brand manager for this. And what did you do? It's like, well, we managed a brand. It's like, at any time I found myself in that spot, ultimately what you want to be able to say is like i worked on the relaunch of the company i worked on our acquisition of 99 designs and making designers available for every for everyone and if you can make everyone at the company truly believe that what they are doing is the thing that will help change the trajectory and make it a thing i mean our fi- our partners at finance figuring out what will our performance marketing payback models mm. be in relation to a freemium model with Vista Create, Because if we do that, then our new customer acquisition opportunities open up for us to serve more new small businesses. It's not just a spreadsheet. It's a fundamental change to our existence. And I think that's, uh, if, we're, if we're able to make everyone feel that, sa- that personal connection to, the, to where we're going, then a lot of great things happen.
0: Yeah. I was talking to a startup pharma company a couple of weeks ago. And I I was—I referenced some research from a Northwestern professor who did research on what we remember in our lives, and it's not much. And it's the extreme highs and the extreme lows, and it's on us, right, to create more extreme highs and be part of that. So you want to be part of something that you remember throughout your life as something that was special, that you rose above, you you did something remarkable with other people, and you made an impact in some way on people on something that's important to you and to them. That and that
1: you live by it and i mean you, we were talking earlier about nike and for 40 years it's how they've done it it's like by creating things that people remember over mm-hmm. and over and over when we created nike plus running our I mean, we were we were insane it's like oh we'll put a puck in a shoe and that will send the run data to a dongle that's on your iPod nano and you'll never want to leave your house again for a run without it because it will be that addictive. If you're like, run that by me again? <laughs> it's like, trust us. This is... And, and then you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and it becomes a thing. And you could do that or you could work on the spring campaign for the 26th the version of a shoe. And I think that's not a bad thing to do. But if it, how do, you, how do you make that be about creating half marathons around the world for people is that, that that shoe is the perfect shoe for is a thing. Just launching the shoe wasn't a thing. Us helping, like again, it's not us selling design to someone at Vista, it's us helping them create a logo that's going to be the thing that is one of the most important things in their life. And that joy is reciprocated. Like, we should feel that joy if we do our job right.
0: You have had experience until you, until you were CMO at Vista in your 20 years at Nike and Converse, you had digital or experience in every job title. And you had a bunch yep. of jobs. So you're a pretty good expert in digital media. It's a fluid space right now, Face, Facebook <laughs> losing trust, you know, uh, third party cookies, the whole bit. How are you, Ricky, advising your team to market your brand in this environment, to think about it, to plan your strategies, to prepare your company for the future, to help small businesses in this space where they're confused?
1: You know, I think you just need to understand the playing field when you're going into things. Um, We spent a ton of time at Nike in the early 2009, just a ton of time with Facebook, like with Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, 2006 through 2010. At building communities, building passionate communities. And one thing that uh, myself and Jesse Stalick, did a lot of this with, we always kept in mind that we were renting those communities. Nike Plus was where we can own a relationship. Facebook, it's a rental. Instagram's a rental. Um, the how much does it cost to juice your post to let someone see it was a thing that was a thing back then. As much as it is now. And so when I think about community building, I'm fine with us building great community on TikTok or Instagram or Discord, as long as we keep in mind that if we're building community at something that is not our own thing, it's us renting. And those relationships have to be incredibly strong. Now, for us as an e commerce company, someone's order history, design history, the relationship of what they've ordered in the past, who they've worked with is community in its own way. And so to me, so much of it is making sure that I think about some of the best experiences I've had with agencies. I've had the great honor of working with agencies like RGA and AKQA for 10, 12 years, wide and forever with uh, and even in my two years at Vista, Work & Co. or Callen have been this amazing partners for us. And so much of it is this notion of account management and truly great partnership. And that to me is when you think about the digital space. Everything will always change, but the relationship—you're either renting it or owning it. As long as you know you're renting it, it's okay. Like I can't—I hope we do amazing things on TikTok, but the ones we own, we can't—we can never take for granted the owned relationship and the importance of that. I just think that's something that is uh, absolutely—it's absolutely critical. And I go back to if you know where you want to go three years from now. If you know of a destination, if the route takes us to AR, cool. Mm-hmm. If the route takes us to VR, cool. If the route takes us to NFTs, cool. The, it sh- shouldn't change our destination. And I think that's where sometimes digital can give you whiplash. Um, I kind of rotated for most of my career every three years going from working on today to driving innovation for a few years. And it was an interesting balance always. Um, I spent three years working uh, in Asia Pacific and like the Beginning of the two thousand eight to ten boom, where you're like, oh wow, this is the future of what things are going to be. There's going to be live shopping. There's going to be all these different uh, massive communities, and ultimately the whiplash can get to you. But if you know where you want the destination to be, it's very easy to evaluate all the opportunities.
0: So, how did that startup experience back in Athens, Georgia, impact you as the leader you are today?
1: You know, it's funny. It every day it does. Um, the notion of, I, we had, we were lucky to have Nike as a client, a point of Vista pictures, the client, there was two of us, uh, and we had no clue how to grow. There was nowhere to turn. We had to figure everything out. There wasn't like, there was no VC back then to be like, Oh, well, it's great. Right. We'll have a, we'll raise a seed round. Is so this your be business great? was a business was online. It was kind of a hodgepodge, um, on, uh, helping online. Marketing for Buena Vista Pictures and for Nike PR and sports marketing. So things like I'll never forget sending an email to, uh, so my uh, now wife or a long, like, we've been married for a very long time now. Uh, she, her, and I started a business together, and every day we would go to these movie sites. make, like, oh, there are these movie sites that I had an ex professor that went to Buena Vista Pictures. He's like, hey, I'd love to hire you all to help figure out how we market movies online as a senior in college. Pretty cool. And I was like, sure thing. He's like, I, could you want to work on God? It was a rough movie, the movie, just visiting a remake of a a French movie that, uh, should not have been remade. And then Pearl Harbor and the Royal Tenenbaums like, yeah, I would love to work on all those movies, particularly the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, and our job was to figure out what audiences would actually care about those movies. And you got there and we'd have a big board. And we'd be like, Gwyneth Paltrow fans will care. What communities are they in? They're in, this is 2001 at this point. And you'd be like, oh, and Wilson fans will care. Previous fans, like there's sites like Chud and Cinecon and Ain't It Cool News. We should give them this trailer and this poster. And I'll never forget sending an email to this uh, person at Point of Vista Pictures. Hey, there's this new thing called Weblogs that I think it would be really interesting to launch the Royal Tenenbaums trailer with this weblog, The Morning News. He's like, weblogs? What are those? It's like, Oh, it's kind of like a journal. And so we're doing that for Buena Vista Pictures was doing similar things to helping Nike basketball get all of their teams to become digital. Have coaches with laptops tracking scores at games, helping make their summer basketball events that much more connected as the beginning of the boom of summer recruiting. And I took all that money and put it into a record label me and my college roommate started called DC Baltimore 2012, where we learned how to we released four or five albums before going, uh, ending up we had a band Life Without Buildings who became a TikTok hit uh, earlier uh-huh. this year, um, that broke up before they could tour. And we got stuck with a bunch of inventory that put us out put us out of business, but it was awesome. And uh, um, but to me, that notion of that universe building, how are we going to yeah. win? Back to like that yep. board for Royal Bombs. Yep. I've never at Converse. We had to. We had a major challenge trying to make sure that teen girls in the U.S. began to care about Chucks again. And it might as well have been to Royal Tenenbaums. It was us at a whiteboard being all right. Who are who are we going to win with? Well, if we try to say heist, sixteen to twenty two, it's too broad. Oh, if we say. Sixteen, well, fifteen. Well, that's too young, because no senior in high school is going to be influenced by a fifteen-year-old. It's like seventeen-year-old high school teen girls in Sunbelt states was who our media and creative muse was for all of our planning, and that literally was the exact things I had done twenty years prior. And to me, I get an offsite next week in Austin, where well, we're going to go and do that for new small businesses. All right. I am a new small business wanting to start a bakery. How am I how do we win with them? What do they need? Where do we reach them? How do we reach them and reverse engineer from there? And to me, that ability to reverse engineer is just it's it's where the fun of this whole thing is.
0: Ricky, we're gonna have to cut this off. I am sorry about that. (laughs) We should have made this a three-hour podcast, just like the new James Bond movie. Ah, perfect. (laughs) So, no, this was such an inspiring, wonderful discussion. Uh, your your company is going to be on fire, I can tell. Your energy is, in, is contagious. Congratulations on all you're doing, and I can't wait to continue to watch. We'll have to have you back on in a year or two to give us a report.
1: Oh, sign me up, Jim. I really appreciate you having me a part of it. Thank you so much.
0: That was my conversation with Ricky Engelberg. Three takeaways for your business and life. The first one, And man, did this come through strong. Be an evangelist for your brand and your company and know the destination for your brand. Can you imagine working for this guy? It has to be just one fun day after another. At the beginning of this podcast, I was thinking, I didn't know that much about Vista. But when I finished, I said, you know, I could work there. So be an evangelist for your brand and your company. Second takeaway, where is your bar for awesomeness? Ricky uses this as his standard in recruiting and in his standard for evaluating work. If it's not awesome, it's not good enough. Third takeaway, and this is directed at the founders out there, those of you who have founded your own company, just never lose your passion for the customer, your excitement about small victories, your energy for the daily work of the business. We heard about Phil Knight and how he ran out of a building screaming after someone who was wearing Nike shoes broke a world record. We heard about Robert Keane still enjoying the work of Vista, a company founded over 25 years ago. So if you don't have your passion for your business, you might think about walking away from it and trying something else. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.